Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's Christmas season once again. Oh, the time flies. Yeah. Christmas in August, unfortunately. So close. I just like, I was thinking about it and I'm like, wow, we will be, we'll be on season three by like 24. Yeah. And that's a little wild to me that we only, we have like a basically another year-ish left. Yeah, we're fl- like yeah, we're we're pretty much we're already nearing the end of this journey. Uh every episode we're closer. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, so I'm going to say this right now. Second best Christmas episode I've watched so far. <laughs> second of the <laughs> second of best the two. of the two. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely preferred the first one. Um, well, you mentioned in the last episode that the adult stuff, the adult plot line was your was your more preferred plot line from the last episode because there was more at stake. This is a time when, like, you need to let Chrismica just be Chrismica and not really have anything too serious, right? Yeah. Like, even in, even in the season one's Chrismica episode, they have, like, you know, oh, the Balbo, whatever. But it's just like, it's just, you know, a little bit of scandal and, you know, deception. This, this one's like a full much. child. Yeah. Yeah, this is too much. Um, Let's address the sociopath in the room. Um, Seth and his Christmas stuff, like, whew. <laughs> I, I appreciate that this episode... There's like multiple scenes where like they really establish how much no one is on board with Chris McCoat when he's like trying to invite Marissa and Summer to it in one scene and they could not be less interested in this shit like insane. And then we'll get there, but something massive happens in the like mid to third act portion of this episode 
and they ask Seth how things are going, and his response is, I think Chris Mika might be canceled. And I had to write down, I swear to God, if Seth's only takeaway from everything that happened is he doesn't get to celebrate his bullshit holiday, I'm done with this man. And that wasn't the case, thankfully, but like, that's how low my opinion is of Seth Cohen at this point, that I wow. wouldn't have put it past him. That he'd be like, fuck all of this paternal drama. My fake holiday might not happen. <laughs> like, Yeah. Which, again, it's the, it's the kind of hypocrisy that is so fascinating because the true irony, maybe not so much hypocrisy as irony, but um, the true irony of this all is the fact that Seth hates, like, the Newport kids but like is himself in his selfishness and self-centeredness like what he is a Newport kid like is a, he's like a spoiled worse rich than kid. most of the Newport kids yeah he's more pampered and spoiled than any of them in a weird way and then he has that elitism to feel like he's above everybody yeah, yeah. um he dares to do that yeah do you know what my favorite thing that I learned about any character was this episode what that apparently jimmy cooper's favorite song is the hustle <laughs> like... <laughs> like jimmy not what? doing any himself not doing any any favors <laughs> and himself what would any you favors say let me ask you a question you're on grinder <laughs> you're you're flipping through some from some gentlemen in there and, you know, on their, like, list of likes or dislikes. I don't know. I haven't been on Grinder. I don't know if they have those. But if they have, like, a favorite song, if someone had The Hustle written down, I feel like that says so much about that person that I'd just be like, next. <laughs> like, Well, you know, if their if their favorite song is actually The Hustle, then, like, it's not my Grinder because my uh, I can set an age range, and that's a... <laughs> That's above my age range. <laughs> if it was someone that fell within that age range, I would hope it's ironic. Like what? Like that would literally be like someone our age being like the Macarena. That's my favorite song. And you're like, it's right. barely a song. I it's love a the dance. electric slide. Yeah. Like, ooh, favorite song of all time. Cupid shuffle is pretty sweet. <laughs> the wobble. Oh my god, the wobble. It's the best. <laughs> How how is the literally the lyrics to the hustle are do the hustle do 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 like there's nothing to it how is that anyone's favorite song Jimmy Cooper what the fuck is wrong with you this is why you live on a boat you weirdo like we do get a very cute scene where Summer and Seth are Christmas tree shopping and Summer is very particular about her Christmas trees so much so that I I literally started to think that she knew that she was about to be uninvited and was just trying to kill time to distract Seth. Yeah, it was it was it was giving that. It was a little knowing. Yeah. Like but I don't think it was supposed to be. I think that that was I think that's a fault of Rachel Bilson to not be like, "Hey, I know, Cohen." But man, this episode, so the basic premise of this episode 
is you remember how at the end of the last episode we learned that Lindsay is uh, Caleb's secret daughter and how any normal show would stretch that out for a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, they decided, hey, let's just drop that information next week to everybody. Let everybody know as soon as possible because fuck drama. Um, <laughs> and Right. And so they're throwing a big Christmas party. Uh, Seth invites Summer. Ryan invites Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Then Sandy advises them that they shouldn't have invited people to it, specifically Lindsay. But it just causes this weird thing where none of them can cancel with anybody. Marissa shows up. Summer's there. Lindsay shows up. Lindsay's mom shows up. Caleb shows up. And then it's... It's kind of like that scene in Rocky Horror Picture Show where it's like, Rocky, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Scott, <laughs> Dr. Like, Scott, <laughs> Janet, Brad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like it's just like everyone's just like, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Or like the Spider-Men all pointing at each other. Like it's just like immediately yeah. things. I Literally, my only note just says in all caps, this got messy. Um, <laughs> like it escalates very quickly. Uh, I do need to give a shout out. I know you and I love to point out the many nicknames that Sandy Cohen has for Caleb and Julie Cooper. Do you remember what it is for this one? No. What was it again? He goes, well, if it isn't Mr. Grinch and Lady Grinch, as he opens the door. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not as good as the gruesome twosome, which is still the best one that he calls them. But uh, basically, as soon as everybody walks into the kitchen, all of the dirty laundry is aired instantaneously. Yeah. Caleb's like, hey, Lindsay, I'm your dad. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Kirsten, I may have been cheating on your mom 16 years ago. Sorry about that. Ryan, you're kind of sort of dating your aunt. All right. When are we going to get some Mushu in here? Like, it's just like. Also, like the the idea that all of those people fit around the kitchen island. There's that, a like- good joke where Seth is like, thank God our kitchen is roomy. But like, like, but like, no one the the like audacity of like the fight or flightness of that, where it's like, should we leave? But I really want to know what the problem is, dude. The best part is right after all of this chaos. Like Kirsten throws a fucking vase at Caleb, telling him to get out of her house. Like it escalates crazy. Then well, we go the to slap what would... wasn't enough for you, right? Yeah. Oh my god. And then we go to a commercial break. But when we come back. Marissa and Summer are like in television terms catching the audience back up with some of the drama that they may have missed. But Summer has this great line where she makes a comment about how weird these families are. And Marissa points out, hey, I'm like sort of tied to these families. Mm-hmm. And Summer says the most beautiful line, which goes, that's right. I'm sorry. All of this is so confusing. <laughs> and I'm like, God, isn't it? Like, <laughs> We need like a flow chart. We need just like one of those hear what you missed on Glee, like really rapid connections. Which, oh my God, hold on a second. This just dawned on me. Ryan Atwood is struggling in this episode and the next episode, is struggling with the idea of how can I possibly date Lindsay? She's basically my aunt because her illegitimate father is Caleb. But like, Caleb is married to Marissa's mom. So, like, that exact same situation is already there. Like, like Marissa's, like, his step-aunt. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
oh, this if, is the, so... if the logic holds right for him that yeah he's like connected but see that's the other thing is that like he's not He's, he's not got no officially... relation to any of these people. Yeah, he like... has no re- blood relation. He could fuck Kirsten. Like, he yeah. could be up here. <laughs> he could be up there, you know, raw dog Ryan, Kirsten, Co- Kiki. And, and, the way like... that, and the way that Kirsten looks at him sometimes, he's the only one that can get her to come out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're making an ad. Napping ads. I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Kirsten locks herself in the closet. Ryan... I know that Ryan is trying to be the good guy here. Read the room. You know who Lindsay doesn't want to see 10 minutes after all of this chaos? Anybody tied to what just happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. like him showing up and repeat, like, and her mom, Renee, is like trying her best. She's like, Ryan, she does not want to see you right now. No. Like, she's doing whatever she can. That's all crazy. I told you last week, one of my new things is I'm going to mention what I think the highlight scene of the episode is, right? Yes. The highlight episode, the highlight of this episode to me is what I refer to as Sandy Cohen's Ted Lasso level of optimism sitting in the kitchen after all of the chaos (laughs) when he's having the heart to heart with Ryan and he's just like, look, my wife's locked in a closet. She's not talking to me. Everything's going crazy. But hey, more Mushu for me. Like, like, it's like there's something about Sandy Cohen that is still so likable. Um, The reverse of that is the note that I wrote that says, Dear God, Marissa sucks. I really wish her character would randomly be killed off in the next 50 episodes or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, no, Marissa... Marissa's ability, and that that was written from... um, There's this very weird diner scene where it's just our four teens sitting in a diner barely talking about the the Lindsay of it all yeah and instead talking about how they've got to save Chrismica uh specifically on the summer and Marissa side of the table which is weird so they the two of them have planned out this great way that they can save the Chrismica holiday for everybody um and mm-hmm. at one point they go on Jimmy's boat because they need an extension cord and a generator for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And 
Marissa's just a total bitch about the idea that Jimmy could even consider being friends with her mom. And that was yeah. when I was just like, I just can't deal with with this much teenage angst that this girl is is just exuding out of her. Um, the craziest part to me is when everything comes together from <clears throat> Seth having a heart-to-heart with the uh, aunt that's the same age as him uh-huh. uh, on the beach <laughs> and giving her a... <laughs> giving her a stocking that says Laura across the front of it to which she's like that's not my name and he's like yeah that's the only one that they had at the store this late but like I like that moment it's a cute moment um I think the line that Ryan uses to get Kirsten to come out of the closet is really great too where he says like I just wish that she would understand that she's uh now part of a family that's really good at letting new people in um and damn it, does that yep. not just pull at your fucking heartstrings? Yep, yep. She opens the door. She nothing like a show writing a character saying good line to a character who yep. read a line of dialogue that you also wrote. It's a real, it's a real self congratulatory pat on the back there from the OC yep. writers. But it is what it is. This was the Chrismica that almost wasn't, but then it turns out that it's still the Chrismica that was. Yeah, but um, it was saved by fucking fake snow. Like, I yeah. cannot. What it, like, there's a reason why people live in Southern California. And this also bothered me about the last episode where Summer was like, oh, it's snow because snow only comes. Like, we the only time we get to see snow is when we bring Like, bitch, you have money. You can go see snow tomorrow. Yeah. So I was talking about this on a recent Christmas 365 with Dylan, which is the irony that, like, and I think you've probably experienced this. You've you're a traveled man. Yeah. Um, but I was like, every time I talk to people on the West Coast, they're like, Oh, I could never live on the East Coast. How do you deal with all that cold? And I think what a lot of the people who have mostly spent their entire time living in a very specific area of California fail to understand is when you deal with the humidity and heat of our summers, you are dreaming of it to be as cold as it can get in the winter. Because right now I'm dealing with it being 92 degrees outside and feeling like it's 110 degrees with the humidity. Like the summers are so much worse than the winters. Uh, but yeah, treating treating fake snow is like this is just the beautiful fantasy of what we dream of. It's like, yeah, maybe in a 1950s musical. But but the reality is that it sucks all the time when you live in a place where there's snow. Always, Joe. Always. You say that, right? <laughs> but I love the seasons. I love my brief time of fall and spring in between yeah. vicious summers and winters. Yeah, I don't know. I've never truly experienced winter that I could remember, like where like you're walking in the snow in the elements. Well, good news for you. Global warming's making it so you'll never get to experience yeah. it. <laughs> yes. We are every day inches closer to the day after tomorrow. <laughs> it's an experience. It's you know, I I am a fan of the winter snow up until literally the day after Christmas and then that shit can go fuck off until next year. Um, which is never the case. But talking about Christmas time, we got a lot of songs in this episode, Joe. Do you want to talk about them? Yeah, let's do it. Episode Again, kicks- I don't. I don't think you're. I. 
I think we're it's going to surprise you. Possibly. Uh, episode kicks off with the eels. Christmas is going to the dogs when Seth is prepping the house for Christmaka. Uh, Harmar Superstar as Seasons plays when we see that Jimmy and Julie are back together. Uh, <laughs> the Guster I, I cover wish they could of have seen that hand motion that you just if only, made. If only uh, the Guster version of Mamacita Donde Este Santa Claus plays when Seth is inviting uh, Marissa and Summer to Christmaka. But then Guster's Carol, Carol of the Meows plays when he tries to rescind his invitations from them. Um, Leanna Ness play song Christmas plays when Lindsay dumps Ryan. Uh, Chap 200's version of Silent Night plays when they're having a conversation in the diner. And then the episode ends with Ron Sexsmith and Maybe This Christmas. Joe, let's go with you first. It is not maybe this Christmas. Which, it's not that for me either. Don't which you worry. seems to be like like. Do you remember? It was also maybe this Christmas in the in the first one where they're yep. before um, Marissa gets <laughs> uh, pitched for shoplifting. Yep. Yeah, it is not maybe this Christmas, um, but for me. <laughs> It's Carol of the Meows. I figured it had to be. Why wouldn't it be Carol of the Meows? It's <laughs> it's very predominant in the episode and very strange from Guster, who I consider a fairly serious band, I, to do this weird meowing version of the Carol of the Bells. Well, it's so funny that you mentioned, like you said, it was Guster because I was like, I I really find that hard to believe, but it's also like. It's just it highlight it adds to the hum- once you figure out what the song is, yeah, and and like the soundtrack, it highlights the like it adds to the humor of the two of them trying to like gently like let these girls down that they're not gonna come and then um, almost immediately backing out. And I want to confirm just very quickly that I did look, and it is definitely Guster. This isn't like a tune find error. If you go on Guster's Guster's discography and click to singles, uh, at the very bottom is like additional singles. And sure enough, 2004, they released two Christmas songs, their cover of Mama Sita Donde Este Santa Claus and the Carol of the Meows. I'm baffled by this, Joe. Baffled. But that was not my pick for the song of the episode. Like I said, if I hear a song that shows up that I already know, that mm-hmm. immediately wins points for me. And I am not a fan of Jim Carrey's The Grinch, sure. but I am a fan of the soundtrack for Jim Carrey's The Grinch. And one of the best songs on that soundtrack is the Eels performing Christmas is Going to the Dogs. Uh, it's one of my Christmas mainstays when December rolls around. So nice. I had to make that my song of the episode. Uh, Joe, I want to go first, though, on this pop culture promo portion of the show. Tell me. Uh, Peacock had an original show uh, from Ryan Johnson uh, in assistance with Natasha Leone uh, mm-hmm. called Poker Face, and I fucking loved it. Have you watched Poker Face? No, but you're like the second <clears throat> person to tell me that it's amazing. It's So here's the thing I like about Poker Face, right? The setup is that Le- Natasha Leone's character uh, can always tell if someone's lying, no matter what. If you try to lie to her, she's going to know. She just has this innate ability to read people. Um, and in the first episode, uh, she 
causes some issues at the casino that she worked at. She was essentially hired at the casino to help them like catch when someone's counting cards or cheating or whatever. Uh, but then she gets caught up in a murder mystery and is now on the run from the casino, the mob that owns the casino. So the rest of the show from that point on is like murder of the week mysteries while she's just finding odd jobs around the United States while trying to hide from the mob. And what I love about the show is that let's say it's a 45 minute long episode. Sure. The first 20 minutes of the episode, there is no La- Natasha Leone. You literally watch the motive. You physically see who commits the murder. <laughs> you know who did it. You know the reasons why. You know how they did the murder. Okay. Then it rewinds to the beginning of the episode, and you now find out what odd job Natasha Leone is working that's kept her in the vicinity of that area while all of this is happening. So you're seeing it from her perspective, and now she's asking questions to people to try to figure out how the murder that you as the audience already know the answer to. So you're like, it's not that you're trying to solve it along with her. You're just trying to hope she asks the right questions of the right people to get to the conclusion that you already know. It's such a weird subversion of like your cliche murder of the week TV show. (laughs) Nice. It's fascinating. It shouldn't work. Every element of the show should not work, and yet it works beautifully. It's uh, it's great. It it definitely fits in with Ryan Johnson's like Knives Out type stuff. Like it's in that same vein. That's awesome. I, it sounds like, like something that I need to download for because I have like I'm going back to Guam for yeah. Uh, get for that queued bit. up for for the flights and whatnot because oh, they're be so easy good. digestible flight shows for sure. How about you? What promos? Do, what 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 pop culture promo do you want to throw out there in the world? So Matt, I'm gonna bring up another one <laughs> because one that I've already done because okay. the movie's coming out. So. Ooh. So as of recording this, the trailer, uh, the official trailer just dropped for the film adaptation of uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Yes, you talked about this very recently, actually. Yes, very exciting. And as of when this episode airs, when this, you know, episode of our podcast airs, uh, the movie will be out. (laughs) Okay, and I could not be more excited that it is coming out because holy shit, it the trailer just looks so delightful, and it had so many cool moments from the book that I I vividly remember. I know they're changing up a couple things, especially like the casting. Like one really big uh, casting choice is really interesting, but again, it is going to be amazing. And I can't wait. And it's going to be horny as fuck. Like, it's going to be. I mean, that's the biggest thing for you. That's it that's needs to be you... like the mo- the book is so horny. Like, it needs to be horny. <laughs> we need to stop being afraid of horny in this. In exactly. Let States. the gays be horny on the screen. <laughs> the straights have got to like, oh, God, this just drives me nuts when like, sorry, not to get all real on your ass. But like, it, it drives me nuts when like these fucking. Uh, right-wing conservative trolls are like, you know, oh, they're flaunting this. They're trying to, uh, you know, indoctrinate the children and the children. And I'm like, bitch, you are like 
indoctrinating them in the same way. Yeah, 100%. It's chaos. Uh, you know, Joe, speaking about getting a little bit political, uh, we haven't done this in a hot minute, but this isn't the only podcast that both of us do. Uh, no. How about we talk about where people, if they want to he- hear your queerness flag fly even more, uh, you got a great podcast for that. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know, I have another podcast. Uh, it's called Fright School. It is a podcast where we talk about horror from uh, from a newbie lens uh, where, I mean, I don't know if how much, how well this works right now because... We've been doing it for almost seven years, and I am definitely not a newbie anymore, even though there's so much I still haven't seen. But we talk about the so, uh, cultural, social, psychological uh, aspects of different movies. We talk a lot about queerness and horror. Um, we're not officially a queer horror podcast, but we're not not officially a queer horror yeah. podcast either. <laughs> Um, it walks and, a fine line. <laughs> yeah, we walk. Yeah, we're not like we're we're not like changing over anything anytime soon. But you know, for someone who who didn't like someone who didn't grow up with horror, and someone who did, who my you know my co-host Joshua. So uh, check it out if you want controversial opinions about you know James Cameron's The Abyss. I got it for you. If you want to hear <laughs> us, you know, gay up all your favorite movies. Uh, from the original Universal Monsters, uh, we have that. So Fright School, proudly on the Geekscape Network. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap it up on these white boy problems, these white people problems specifically. You're not and, even going to uh, talk about the myriad of podcasts that you have, Matt? Uh, it's too many. It's too much work. At St. Mortal on any social media, I'm posting about them all the time. <laughs> uh, let's let's figure out some more of these white people problems next week, Joe, because I have a feeling that we're just scratching the surface with this Lindsay stuff and that it's going to get wilder. Yeah, here we go. listening to the Geekscape Network.